You're listening to the Fan Garage Sports Podcast with C.P. Thomas. Welcome back to the Fan Garage Sports Podcast. I'm your host, C.P. Thomas. We're back with Ayaz Memon from Adelaide, Australia. Ayaz is in Adelaide for the first ever day-night test match, which started today. Ayaz was part of the record-setting crowd today, which came to watch how the pink ball behaved. He also shares thoughts from various other cricketers like Glenn McGrath on the future of day-night tests. We also discussed the day's play, which was a very keen contest between bat and ball. As it's been an exciting day from what we saw on TV also and with a record crowd out there, I think day night is here to stay. Well, you know, look, this is the first uh, kind of uh, first uh, experience of day night test cricket. We've all seen day night matches happening. They have been ODIs. It's a one day experience. You go home. Uh, and there have been so many one-day matches and T20 matches, we don't even remember yeah. uh, some of those games that you've seen. In test matches, it could end up being different. Like, for instance, what I saw today, I don't think I'll ever forget in my life. Or any of those 47,441 spectators who came in today. Yeah. A new experience, a great experience, uh, an experience not just of test cricket under the lights, but also playing with a pink ball. Yeah. Uh, and I think... Look, some of these questions that have been raised about playing under lights, playing with a pink ball, with a green seam, how will it help the players, will it affect their performance, will it enhance their performance, these are questions that will have to be answered over a period of time. It's difficult to do it only after one day. But what we saw on day one was a, you know, a very tense bout of cricket. Both the teams were obviously under pressure, tense. Uh, one team got bowled out for 202, the other already lost two wickets for 54. So uh, it's a, it's a, it's been a closely fought game as yet, and if I may say so, I think that the ball has dominated the bat. But uh, is the tenseness or the tension that you say related to the fact that it was a day night and there was a lot of apprehensions as we talked about it earlier? Undoubtedly, I think look, a lot of players are. Uh, are feeling the, you know, not knowing what to expect. So that creates a lot of pressure. Though there's been some experience with colored balls uh, that they played or the pink ball. But in a test match environment, uh, it's, you know, it's a different ball game altogether as we know. So there has been a lot of apprehension, some of that and the tension, some of that showed in the approach. And especially I think of the New Zealand batsmen, about five of them got good starts and then you know, somehow or the other, they lost their wickets. Uh, I think some of them gave, threw away their wickets, trying to dominate the bowling, little unsure, little on edge. Mm. Uh, but overall, I think the bowlers cope. You know, the Australian bowlers bowled splendidly, as did Bolt and Southie and Bracewell in the 22 overs that New Zealand had uh, in the last session. Yeah, I know we'll get into the details of the match definitely. But can you just uh, give me a feel of? What happened from the morning as the fans came in and what was the buzzer like? So, I, look, I went there very early not knowing what to expect in mm -hmm. terms of, you know, crowds and whether I'll be able to get into the stadium on time or not. The match was to start at 2. I was at the ground at about half past 11 or maybe 11.15. And there were already a lot of people who had come into the ground. Uh, and, you know, it just built up. I think when the when play started... We had about 37, 38,000 people already in the ground. And, okay. uh, and it grew by almost 10,000 uh, subsequently after the first session and then more when the lights came on. So remember, this is a Friday, still a working day. They expect a packed house tomorrow, sellout crowd mm -hmm. uh, tomorrow and day after, which means we should be getting about 50, 52,000 people 
in the in the in the in the stadium, which is terrific going. And then as the match goes, I would want to see if the match extends to Monday. What kind of spectatorship we get? Because remember, Monday is a big working day yeah. everywhere in the world. So whether people still come in in the afternoon to see play or or it just tapers off, and it, therefore it gives us an indication whether these day night test matches also should be played Friday, Saturday, Sunday, largely. Rather than extending it, rather than starting on a Monday and finishing on a Friday. Yeah, there's lots of talk about a four-day test match, you know, and uh, the way this one well, is going. I've been a big advocate of a yeah. four-day test match for a long time. Yeah, you know, because I feel that a, uh, if you look at the results that have emerged over the last 15 years, test cricket has been producing about 70 to 73 percent results, which is a complete reversal of the 50s and 60s when there were 70, 75 percent draws. Yeah. So. And then, it, when you look at the analyze the results further, you find that a lot of those matches are ending in three and a half or four days. I mean, Nagpur match, India versus South Africa, has ended yeah. within three days. The first match at Mohali finished within three days. So, you know, if matches are going to end consistently over four days, then why not restrict test matches to four days? Increase the number of overs to a hundred per day. You can virtually the same amount of play. Yeah. And you don't tax the ticket payer for an extra day or on or for more time. And also, it doesn't feel like it's like a long drawn out thing. And exactly. even if it's a draw, you get it over within four days on a flat. So if you, have a, if you have a four day test match which is played over Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, or mm. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you will get at least very good crowds. I would imagine on three days. Yeah, and those would be the most defining days when. Actually, action happens, and if a, there's a result, it's usually on the third or the fourth day. Correct, and therefore you you know you rejig your itinerary accordingly so that almost wherever test matches are played, they're played they they are surely played on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Yeah, and uh, we'll wait for Saturday, Sunday definitely. But tell me, was there some uh, excitement when the lights came on? Was there some drama? Well, one it started with a you know in a in a uh, with a poignant touch because remember. It was almost. It, it was a, exactly a day. Uh, it was exactly the, the a same fact that Phil yeah. Phil Hughes yeah. had yeah. been, uh, you know, had had been injured fatally. Mm. So there's a lot of sentiment about Phil Hughes still, not just within the Australian nation, but also in the playing fraternity. And therefore, yeah. it started with that. They played with black armbands and yeah. memory. Yeah, we saw that. So it was kind of a somber start to the to the proceedings. But there was a loud cheer when. The you know the pink ball was given to Mitchell Stark to bowl the first over. Unfortunately, Mitchell Stark has injured himself and will not bowl yeah. further in the match. So that's a big blow to Australia. But never mind. Uh, when the lights came on, mm-hmm. actually, I I expected uh, you know a, a huge amount of uh, kind of noise and uh, reception and, yeah. from the crowd, mm-hmm. which actually didn't happen. There was mm-hmm. everybody got a little excited, but I think you see the thing is every cricket lover today is used to the idea of floodlights. Okay. I think the the pink ball had greater fascination, and the fact that this is not you know, you know from uh, the field settings are very different from a one day game or a T Twenty game. Yeah. Uh, so so you've got uh, the the engagement is very different. The terms of engagement uh, for Test cricket, and I think that's really the crux of the matter. How quickly does the new spectatorship, the ten twelve year olds who are watching Test cricket, get hooked onto it or not? But among the crowd, whether a lot of family kind of uh, crowd coming in, definitely in the evening session when the lights were on. So I would say that uh, you know it was predominantly male, mm-hmm. but there were a fair number of women who were there. 
I would imagine that, you know, Saturday and Sunday will be the big days for family outings and stuff like that. And I think what they've done cleverly uh, or, you know, pragmatically is that they've got a staggered uh, daily ticket charge. So if you come only for the last session, it was $20 okay. uh, and $10, $10 for children beyond, I think, below 14 or 13, whatever the age age group. Mm-hmm. And if you buy a daily ticket, it comes for $50. And if you buy two sessions, it comes for $40 and stuff like that. So, it, it, you know, it, it That's allows pricing, people yeah. to come for two sessions or one mm. session or however much they want to see rather than compelling to buy compelling them to buy the entire day's tickets yeah that sounds clever pricing and i'm yeah, sure yeah, probably yeah. they might have a weekend package also yes yeah, so i'm sure that if they have a season ticket instead of you know 250 dollars it may end up you may end up paying 175 dollars and uh, what was the bus like in the media center i mean they were the ones who would be keenly watching how this pans out i think the australian media has been waiting for it and therefore more psychologically prepared I mean I have also been waiting but they've experienced it watching the, the practice matches mm-hmm. uh, interestingly there are three Indian journalists including me over here okay. so you know so it shows that people from India have also got very interested uh, I you know what I found uh, quite fascinating is that almost every former player who was there and who I met and spoke to briefly uh, between their commentary students, whether mm-hmm. it's Dean Chappell or Barry Richards or Glenn McGrath or Mark Taylor or Shane Vaughan or Damien Fleming, they all kind of believe, and it's not just to pump up the game, they all believe that this is the only way to salvage spectatorship for Test cricket. They're convinced about it. Now, obviously, nobody can give a, an affidavit in writing that yeah. it will work, but they all... Seemed, and after the first day's play, they seem even more convinced that this can, uh, you know, this can work. But but what you said actually makes sense. One is the weekend will see a little more crowd, and if the match goes into the Monday, that's when the true test will come. So if you get three days, you know, good cricket and high viewership, high spectatorship, the fourth day may or may not be great. So I, just as a comparison, today. Uh, the first day's play almost broke the record for a cricket match at the uh, at the Adelaide Oval, uh, which is about fifty thousand something, okay. down seven hundred, which is which goes back to the Bodyline series in 1932-33. Don Bradman playing, mm-hmm. and even that was not on the first day of that Bodyline Test match. Okay, it was on the second or third day when Bradman was supposed to bat, but mm. the first day had thirty-eight thousand people, so. The first day attendance today has actually overtaken the bodyline series, you know, spectatorship, which I think is fairly significant. Yeah, but the whole idea for ICC and Cricket Australia would have been to see that there's a spread of the spectators over the four days because just the first day. No, no but now we, yeah. we can't, uh, you know, we can't predict what is going to happen over the mm-hmm. next. We have to wait and see. So, you know, over the next two days, we have been, at least I've been told that the next two days, you're going to get a sellout crowd. That is Saturday and Sunday. Okay, as we're just taking a quick break now, we'll be back in a minute. 
Now, if you want to listen to some brilliant indie music from all over the country, it's really simple. You can find me on Made in India. That's madeinindia.in. My name is May, and it's spelled M-A-E-D. Now, I've had some great artists on the show, including the likes of Nickel D'Souza, The Cognac Net, Last Remaining Light, Tejas Menon, The Other People, Alicia Pays, Lakshmi Balm, Vasudha Sharma, Ankur Tavadi, and so many more. Now, if you want to subscribe, you can go to iTunes or Stitcher or your favorite podcast app, or you can find me on my website. That's madeinindia.in. That's M-A-E-D. Or on Twitter and Facebook on Made in India. Welcome back from the break. As you mentioned, you ran into a lot of the players who were commentating. What was the best reaction that you would have got from any of them? Well, interestingly, I met Jen McGrath of uh, at breakfast, you know, because we are staying in the same hotel, as it happens. Okay. So I was a little startled to see, as they call him, the pigeon standing there, looming large. <laughs> uh, he's a, you know, he's a very tall yeah. man. So I asked him about, as I, as I mentioned, whoever I meet, I asked them about, you know, they might cricket pink ball and how it will affect him. Uh, he, he told me something interesting. He says players have to go into this, these kind of situations with an open mind. And for players who've got the focus and who've got you know, the temperament, the technique and whatever else, whether as a batsman or as a bowler, mm-hmm. the pink ball is not going to be such a huge difference. And then he gave the example, which I thought is very relevant. Actually, it's so simple that we should all know it. He says earlier cricket was played only with a red ball. Yeah. When the white ball came around, similar questions were asked. Mm. And then he found that players adapted or adjusted to the red ball for test cricket and the white ball for one day cricket and T20 cricket. So he's saying, why should it be such a big issue with a pink ball now? Yes, some things will happen. People will take a little, you know, maybe a few matches to adjust. But once they've got the hang of it, the quality players will always shine through. And I thought that has a lot of merit, what he says. There's a lot of logic there. And uh, did you see that happening on the field also with the players' initial nervousness moving on to good batting or bowling? Well, the batting actually... Uh, you know, New Zealand got bowled out for 202. There was only one half century uh, from Latham, so Latham. So he, he he got a 50. I thought people, uh, batsmen like uh, Williamson got off to a start. I was very keen to watch him bat. I think he's one of the classiest players going around. Got to about 22 and then, you know, uh, he, he got a very good delivery. Actually, he just completely missed the line yeah. because the ball deviated a bit and came in. So that was obviously a, a blow. We've seen... David Warner get out cheaply. Actually, the biggest scorers in Perth, Ross Taylor, uh, Williamson and David Warner have got out cheaply here. So, uh, as yet, we don't know what's going to happen with Adam Voges and Stephen Smith and some of the others. But the batsmen are under a little pressure, I think, perhaps because it's playing a lot more on their mind rather than the mind of the bowlers as to how the ball will behave. So... Now there is a bit of an advantage for Australia because they've seen one entire day's play, seen the mistakes that New Zealand may or may not have made, and perhaps can. And because they've got New Zealand out for 202, then uh, you know it's not such a huge total to overall. But they have to play sensibly. Uh, we've seen what happened, say in Nagpur. You know, India had bowled out for 200 odd, and yeah. we think it's not such a big total. And then South Africa just bowled out for 79. So I think. This could be a low-scoring match, perhaps not ending in three days. I hope not. 
but it will require a lot of sensible batting on either side that's what i observed that what you said a few batsmen got good starts but the pink ball had nothing to do with they either couldn't hang around or they got good balls and so i think it was the uncertainty about what the pink ball would do that led to their rash strokes okay. that's the way i would see it so yeah i mean and then you know you talked about some of the former players so there's barry richards who's come from south africa he's been you know uh, he's he played a lot in australia for queensland in his playing days so uh, you know he knows these conditions well and he believes that uh, look when the batsmen make a lot of runs we say that the game has got very heavily loaded in favor of the batsmen yeah and if the ball or the conditions seem to help the bowlers a little bit then we start fretting and saying why is it helping the bowlers is not helping the bowlers too much so you know there is no perfect situation uh, in a in a test match because there are so many variable conditions how the weather will change how the pitch will behave today was a very cold day tomorrow we don't know what is going to be in adelaide temperatures may rise by about 6 7 degrees and that can make a big difference has there been any talk about the last session under lights where the balls actually started doing things so was it something yeah so that everybody is now recognized that maybe you have to be a little more compact little more organized when you're batting in the last session because the ball is doing a lot more in the air but that's not different from say playing in england just okay. to give you an example when a cloud cover comes in and the ball start swinging and suddenly the tempo and the trend of the match changes it has happened throughout cricket history yeah so you, you just can't zero into saying that it's day night and a so pink you ball can't, yeah you can't say is you can't have ideal conditions everywhere at all times you know that's the that's the the beauty of cricket that things can change suddenly and also the fact that new zealand got a new ball at when the last session started correct so yes they got a new ball and see the big difference from odi is or as it is played currently is as you know we discussed even yesterday that in odi is there are two balls that are used in the match or in the innings so the ball retains its lot and its shine mm. today new zealand got bowled out in about 56 57 overs so it's like an odi it's as good as it's an like, odi it become like an odi yeah. you know with only one ball but with like an odi so uh, unless a team bats out 75 80 maybe a second new ball is taken It's too, it's too premature and it's too difficult to kind of pass value judgments or sweeping opinions right now. I think that's the issue. The only thing, and you know, for instance, Mark Nicholas, perhaps he said it even on air on the in the, on the commentary. But I was chatting with him mm-hmm. when he had a break in commentary, and he said this is something which will you know night cricket will catch on everywhere the pink ball. But he sees danger in England. Or Shane Warren mentioned it, I think, uh, that because England has you know. sunlight till almost 9:30 or 10 oh yeah so where do you have you the know, day night in the in the summers so where is the need for the flood lights except in the last half hour or 45 minutes and therefore the pink ball in absolute sunlight is, i mean these are issues that will crop up and they have to be addressed they have to be recognized and they have to be addressed i think india will adopt it much faster and it'll be much more popular out here very well, soon india and uh, pakistan and bangladesh were actually because it's a winter sport and the natural sunlight fades very early mm. in winters by four, you know in the north by 4:15 is getting dark or especially in the east in kolkata yeah you know beyond 4:15 you don't have sunlight at all so it becomes a boon okay as we're just taking a quick break now we'll be back in a minute 
You can listen to Cyrus Says from our app on iOS, Android or our website cyrussays.in. You can also listen to services like iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud or your favorite podcasting softwares. It's cyrussays.in. Welcome back from the break. There have been a lot of apprehensions, especially from the fielder point of view, that at something like a point you wouldn't get to see the ball quickly and the pink color would actually have an effect. But we didn't see any of that also today. There seemed to be, the fielding overall seemed good, except for one of those drop catches by Adam. Well, the, the only drop catch which we saw was Adam Bojas dropping actually what should have been a comfortable catch. You know, he, he dropped in Southie, uh, running behind from first slip, got under the ball and then somehow, uh, you know, he should have, he would take such a catch 10 times out of 10, but he dropped it. Now, whether he lost sight of the ball, uh, which is one of the concerns that the fielders had expressed, players had expressed before the match, I'm not sure because we didn't get a chance to speak to him. But it could be just one of those things, aberrations which happen. On the other hand, some, you know, uh, uh, Neville, uh, the keeper, took some sharp yeah. catches behind the wickets. Some slip catching was very good. Tim Southie himself took a very good catch. Yes. So, the no, ground no, fielding yeah. was extremely good. Hmm. So, I don't think there's been a difference in that sense to the players. Their apprehension, apprehension seemed to be unfounded. Uh, having said that, remember, it was a high-quality, uh, bright day yeah. in the first half. Excellent sunshine. And then when the lights came on, uh, you know, there were not too many deliveries which or uh, many strokes which went in the air at all. So, we haven't seen too many kind of skyers, lofted shots and stuff like that to really judge whether fielders are inconvenienced. But certainly, yes, Adam Wojcic did drop a catch. What was the general takeaway from the post-match press conference? Who were the players who came for it? Well, it was the two bowlers, Peter Siddle, who completed 200 wickets. Yeah. His 200th wicket he got today. So, he came and then Trent Bolt came for uh, uh, New, Zealand New Zealand. Because, uh, yeah, the left-arm swing bowler. Uh, he also got, uh, you know, David Warner out, which is a big blow to Australia because Warner has been in smashing form. So the takeaway is certainly this, that it's helping the bowlers. So both of them were smiling away because they okay. both felt that they've got, they've got some contribution to make further in this match. Uh, both seem to feel that the first three hours tomorrow will be very crucial because thereafter uh, the lights could come on if the weather gets a little overcast. But if Australia can keep their wickets intact for the first three hours, not lose too many wickets, uh, remember they've uh, they've you know they've also lost uh, some of their players. Yeah. Usman Khwaja has gone out, so Sean Marsh has come. Marsh is under a lot of pressure. He's not been able to retain his place in the team for a long time. His brother Mitch Marsh hasn't established himself as a batsman as yet. So Australia are not yet out of the woods, though they are playing at home and have been able to bowl out New Zealand for 202. And they have a long tail also, if I'm not mistaken. And Mitchell Stark is, uh, you know, he's got a stress. So while he will bat, obviously he will, you know, not be able to bat as much or as well as he would have liked to. Oh, is he likely to bat? Yeah, yeah, he's going to bat. Okay. If needed. And if they make 500 for 8, then he doesn't need to bat. But the way it's going, it looks like a result-oriented match, which would be great for the first ever yeah. day-night. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if it happens, nothing like it. So, basically, I think everybody is gung-ho from the, uh, the management of South Australian cricket to you know, former players, to spectators, uh, and obviously the media persons also. But as you know, ZT, that 
in, in the media we always skeptical if not cynical mm. uh, about uh, you know how things will pan out so it's difficult to pass as i mentioned earlier a, a verdict whether it has come to save uh, test cricket from uh, extinction but this has been a terrific and an impressive start yeah but i i think it's a innovation which can be tried out and you know it gives some kind no, of no, i don't think there was a way out from this innovation yeah. otherwise what was the option the options would have been probably to start off with your four day match and then move on to a day night no, no but you still won't get people coming in the morning is not they going to work yeah. so the day night part you have no yeah. option to a day night match mm-hmm. in my opinion in fact okay. i think the icc and everybody and the cricket boards have been very lazy and unimaginative in not doing it much earlier yeah now they can all pat themselves on the back yeah 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 as it was great talking to you we'll catch you again soon thank you listeners for tuning in we'll have more from ayas over the next few days on the first ever day night test match subscribe to tfg sports podcast on itunes stitcher or your favorite podcast app follow us on twitter at the fan garage or facebook.com/the fan garage